As we get closer and closer to the start of the NFL season, the MLB season playoffs, and also everything else going on in the sports world, it's easy to forget the machinations of sport. And the machinations of sport all revolve around one thing, and that's the one thing we talk about here on the Bitmar Podcast Network, and that's money. Whether it's virtual or fiat, we cover it. And this is about the business of sports. Business is good. This is the minor leagues. AKA Bitcoin or Toast and Jelly Jam, which they make up there in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, <laughs> that was a terrible segue, but a great way to start off our second episode. Matt, you're so right. The machinations of our industry that we're in, crypto, a lot of people think it's only financial, but it goes into so many cultural realms. We've discussed this on Bytes, we've discussed it with guests on the Brain Trust. Uh, we're going to continue to discuss this. But the reason why I like this new series, the minor leagues, not only is because we can move on up to the majors eventually, I'm going to level up my sports knowledge, and hopefully, Matt, you will also level up your crypto knowledge, and together, we will take over every single ballpark, stadium, rugby field, um, hopscotch, hopscotch chalkboard, and whatever else sports can you tell that i don't know anything about sports people <laughs> i'm sorry okay i'm sorry but i actually do have a very um we're going to talk about some international sports stories today matt and then we're going to talk about some domestic stuff interesting thing that might segue us into our first story unless you have any other comments is that you know as people know i'm here in colorado specifically denver there's a suburb outside of here called Glendale. It's kind of a little uppity suburb. I visit it from time to time. They've got nice parks, uh, nice shops, Ooh. restaurants, things like that. Interesting thing that I noticed walking around the other day is Glendale has this huge rugby field, and they call themselves Rugby Town USA, which the only time I've ever heard this is when I was in Eugene, Oregon with my father, and I was at the track and field trials for the Olympics, and Eugene, Oregon calls themselves track town usa but other than that you don't hear a lot of these town usa other than maybe cooperstown where they have the baseball uh well cooperstown's the name of the town that was where allegedly it's not true it's all a lie <laughs> where the first game of baseball was ever played with abner doubleday and the whole facocta thing but there is detroit hockey town usa um some people call uh, green bay football town usa that that's kind of a part and parcel with american culture and Rugby and I have a weird relationship because of my work with the A7FL, which is seven-on-seven, seven, no pads, no helmet football. And it has some look to rugby, like the ball, which you can see right here, is a white ball, which looks like a rugby ball. Uh, we actually just had a, a clip up on SportsCenter uh, just the just today when we were recording this on the SportsCenter Instagram channel. Four million people have heard me yell uh, so that's a good feeling. But rugby is is a big sport internationally and is a hard-hitting. Like, I, I wouldn't sign us up to play rugby. I would love... I feel like rugby is something that I might be interested in if I'd already done a year of CrossFit. 
and Oof, like really yeah. been on my pro my protein game. But here's an interesting trivia question, Matt. Is American football based on rugby? Is that true? American football is based on rugby. Uh, another game that was kind of proto-rugby. Football has a lot of different machinations and forms to it. It's kind of like how baseball was based on rounders, which is a derivation of cricket. So all of our sports are predicated on other sports, like field hockey, lacrosse hockey. They all kind of share the same genus, like that same impetus. And they just kind of gestate and form out of different things. So this is a question for you that you'd be able to explain. So obviously the world's most popular sport internationally is soccer, but mm. they call it football most other places. But if I wanted to see something like American football and I was someplace in the world other than the United States or North America, I'd probably want to go see a rugby game. Is that correct? If I wanted to get something close to it? Well, there are there's there's pro football in Europe, there's pro football in Japan. Um, I do believe that there's burgeoning different offshoots within Asia and different parts of the world. Uh, and, you know, the ability to watch football, American-style football across the globe is fairly possible. But rugby has the advantage in Australia, in New Zealand. It's huge in uh, those parts of the world, in South Africa, uh, different parts of the world. But, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for an elite level of athletic competition that is similar in scope to pro football in the United States at a at a different in a different vein, then yeah, I would go rugby. Interesting. I did not know that they played American football in Japan. Yep. I for some reason I, I just didn't I know the Japanese are big baseball players. Um I could see that. I I what did Japanese football players look like? That's just, I'm going to go down a whole Well, it's a so lot of American admit. American players, kind of like in basketball, ah. who aren't, um, we talk about this on the A7FL podcast with A7FL MVP, Starry Codrington. I'm not plugging. I'm just like, this sure, is where sure. I learned about football being played at the pro level in Germany. And there are players uh, like ex-NCAA Division One athletes who play professional sports in different countries, in Japan, uh, I know people I went to college with who played NCAA ball, who ended up playing in different parts of the world. That's really common. But football, it's, it's, it's lagging behind, but it's quickly becoming a global sport. I did not know that. So I'm just, just continually dropping knowledge bombs here on me, <laughs> um, Matt. So before my brain is destroyed, I'm going to try and connect this uh, sports to crypto right here. And that's a story that I kind of wanted to highlight here. It's an international story that I got from Cointelegraph um, actually yesterday. And that is that there is in South Africa where rugby is really, really popular um, is what I understand. There's a rugby icon there and his name is Sia Kolisi. Um, he's a pretty well-spoken guy. And he's actually, I found out, I looked him up. He's only four days younger than me. So wow. interesting, he's my same age which is kind of more so just interesting that he's, he's plugging crypto and that he's a big sports star down there. But he plays for the South African Springboks. And he signed this deal where, similar to what maybe LeBron James has done or Tom Brady has done or something like that, 
they're kind of using him as a cultural figure that is known for dominating sports. It's known for being a big leader and drawing parallels between the long-term game plan of his rugby career, how he sees like excelling in sports and financial planning. And I think that this is really interesting because even though I had no idea who Sia Khaleesi was, he's obviously a huge deal in South Africa. I'm sure he's a huge deal to many young men and women down there. And if you watch the advertisements, they're like actually really wholesome. They're like, they're kind of tell you that like, and it's weird that they launched this too when crypto is obviously like kind of in a, in a bad spot, in a bad position about how he says to zoom out, make long-term plans. And just like he essentially says, um, he essentially says that just like you would train for rugby or any other sport, you should do the same with your finances and that certain types of crypto, he's endorsing a particular exchange. I won't name the exchange, but certain types of crypto, and I'm sure that he's, he's big on Bitcoin and the top ones, if you zoom out, are going to be better for your finances and the financial system overall than what South Africa's fiat system or traditional finance system is. So I, I found this really interesting. It, it, it did remind me of Tom Brady, LeBron James, something like that when they do almost like public service announcements. Obviously, it's not that. It's a paid commercial announcement. But like I said, if you look at it, it's it's really wholesome. So I wonder, I wondered kind of your thoughts on this. Well, if you're if you're cultivating an image and a personality, you do want that level of elite. We in the United States have learned, and, and this is a thing for European soccer too. The athlete is marketable. The athlete is a commodity, and the athlete's image is important to be curated to fit what your, you know, what your endeavor is, what you're looking to do. When you're an investment firm or you're a, uh, you know, a crypto exchange or what have you, when you deal with money and you're talking about long-term plans, look at New York life here in the United States, how they market. It's an elite, like think of your family. It's all, it's all very good marketing. And it's a great way to present an athlete on the field as someone who's wholesome you can listen to him he's a leader he's like it's creating that idea that you can buy something off of him because you trust him because he's an athlete on the field he's coming to you in a in a warm congenial way and it's in in that psa style like i'm doing this for you so you and your family instead of you know more aggressive american marketing yeah and there there's something that like and maybe I'm totally wrong here. Before we get to one of the other stories or talk about a domestic story, I want to talk about Tom Brady's autograph service because it's it's so interesting seeing celebrities get into to the niche in the crypto. Do you think there's something where intrinsically we we as people, not as Americans, because me and you are both American, I'm talking about internationally, we as people, we tend to trust athletes a little bit more when they endorse stuff versus other types of celebrities like actors or creative people am i crazy i'm thinking that but like our athletes seen as a little bit more wholesome for for once again lack of a better word because because athletics is such a it's it's almost always predicated on physicality and there's a sort of purity to it am i crazy in thinking that you're not crazy but i think it depends on what your opinion of sports are and True. what you, you know, what the product is. And I like, if I'm not usually someone who bases what they choose or what they imbibe based on celebrity endorsements, 
but and that's not me just trying to be cool and hip. It's just like I, you know, I work in marketing, so I kind of know the I know the bit by now. Uh, when you <laughs> when you look at different, it, it, it's all market dependent. Like if you're marketing towards a specific subset, if you're marketing towards young men, if you're marketing towards families, if you're marketing experiential things, or if you're marketing something that would fit within the different box of that athlete then you get a little you might trust it a little bit more than you know in a Gatorade ad I would trust LeBron James over Justin Bieber and it's not a knock on Justin Bieber just I know LeBron James drinks Gatorade you know why I know that because he's an athlete and also every NBA sideline is littered or at least was at one time with Gatorade now I think it's uh it's one of the other offshoots uh of Gatorade or one of the rivals to uh Gatorade but I think it comes down to the five W's, the who, what, where, when, and why when it comes to that. And I think athletes do a really good job because we look up to athletes because they're these larger-than-life individuals, and it goes back to the advent of the modern American press, cultivating these icons, these heroes. We're always looking for something or someone to rally behind and rally under. And it goes back into NFT culture, too, to where... We're looking to identify this thing that is the thing that we support that is in our best interest, that is in the best interest of this subsect that I'm in. We're all together raising this thing up. And with athletes like Michael Jordan, who was a role model, I want to be like Mike, one of the most effective marketing campaigns in television history, in marketing history. Simple, to the point. But that, you know, forces the athlete to build an image that may be, you know, a bit of a fallacy. That it may just be a facade. It's something that's constructed and curated and cultivated, much like an NFT. It's something that's formed, that's curated, that's marketed a specific way to specific people. And the value is in, is predicated on the market. And the market is the consumer. That's true. I, I guess I'm just trying to get at that, like internationally, even if you don't speak the same language, sports, sports is almost oh, yeah. like, it's like visual art. It's like even somebody who's not educated or who doesn't know things, you can usually, it's a common, it's a common signifier. I don't know where I'm going with that. No, so well, well sports have, <laughs> sports have, let's take a, let's talk about like advertising. Now more than ever, every piece of a ballpark, a broadcast, a game, a uniform is commoditizable or has been commoditized. Baseball jerseys now have the, they have logos on them. It's the logo of the manufacturer, manufacturer on the hats and on the jerseys. But in the NBA, you have advertisements, you have ad patches. In soccer, they're walking, talking advertisements for either whoever owns them or business partners or, you know, these integrated things. NASCAR, F1, auto racing, things like that. F1's getting into the NFT space. They took the French Grand Prix, the France Grand Prix off of their schedule next year because of, could uh, one of the reasons being the strict laws around crypto and NFT marketing in the country because, and we covered this on the non-fungible news this week, F1 and a lot of F1 teams are leaning into partnerships with crypto firms, with crypto exchanges, with NFTs, 
There's a, you know, the Staples Center or what used to be the Staples Center in Los Angeles is now the Crypto.com Arena. Crypto.com has got a huge marketing partnership with the UFC and their fight kits, which look terrible. And there's this (laughs) Crypto.com bonus for fighters. And, you know, there's a lot of money going into sports because that is the easiest convertible audience. And it's such a broad audience. When you're watching the NF, when you watch the Super Bowl, Nathan, do you watch the Super Bowl every year? Uh, Not every year. It depends on if somebody invites me to a party or whether I even remember that it's on. Sorry, sacrilege. No, no, no. But that's the thing. If you get invited to a party, I'm watching the Super Bowl no matter what because I have a crippling Mm -hmm. addiction to sports. You, on the (laughs) other hand, that's why the commercials exist. That's why the idea of the Super Bowl commercial over the last 35, almost 40 years, 38 years, has been such a huge component of the Super Bowl that the commercials now get trailers. Not the True. game, not the players, True. not at, not the halftime show, the commercials. And this past Super Bowl was the crypto Super Bowl because it felt like every, you know, the top three exchanges in the world were battling for airtime, paying three to $5 million for 30 seconds of advertising. You're right. I forgot that because because uh, Coinbase had that weird ad where it was like nothing except for a QR code. Yep. I completely forgot about that. It you was the so bouncing right. QR code. And that, I think, is and if you remember in the early 2000, the ninth, the 2000 Super Bowl was the dot com Super Bowl. And I am wary of that being a bellwether because of there are boom periods and there are bust periods right now we are feeling the pinch of the bear market but it feels like certain things are coming back on the other side it feels like you know your 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 favorite sports team had a good season the year before but they got punched in the gut it's the middle of the season now hoping for a comeback hoping to make the playoffs but there's a lot of things standing in the way and i feel like that is where a lot of the doubling down into the sports world. We talked about NFL all day in the pilot edition of this show. And we talked about the, the importance of cultivating a community and cultivating an audience. There is no better way in the United States of America, and I'll even say globally, to reinforce the power of your brand than partnering with a sports franchise or a sports league because you are attacking a dedicated audience, you are hammering home an audience, and you are, you are working on something that every second from when you get on the air or you enter the stadium to when, you, to when it's over, you can inundate people with marketing and you can normalize it. If you go to City Field... From the moment if you the moment you walk up to the ballpark, you see a gigantic sign that says City. That's Citibank. Citibank owns the rights to to, to the ballpark. They own the naming rights. Mm-hmm. From the moment you walk in there, once you go through the metal detectors, once you scan your ticket, you giant Teza, Tezos ad. You've got you know all of the food trucks, all of the different advertisements. It is a bastion. It is it is a mecca for modern American marketing. Because all you get, every, in between every inning, in between almost every pitch, you're given a commercial. Like the walk-ups are being advertised. Right now, 
when a player gets hurt in, in baseball, they get sent down for rehab starts. Those are being now those are now being sold for revenue, advertising <laughs> space, rehab starts. Like these different clinics are like, it, it, you've got Jacob Degrom <laughs> pitching tonight in St. Lucie, and this bro, this uh, rehab starts brought to you by St. Lucie Rehab. If you tore your MCL, we're here for you. <laughs> I mean, it's so clever, and obviously, I'm glad that you're explaining it, Matt, because you're actually in the know as to where, you know, if I go to a sports game, which is rare if ever, I think that I've just kind of I've learned to tune these things out in the same way that I tune out most billboards on the highway until you see like a very clever billboard like Bucky's. Bucky's always has clever billboards, if you've heard of that brand. Um, but you, you, you mark on something really interesting here. Not only the dedicated audience, I was just trying to think about when you were explaining that I was like, you know, he's so right. When you see that logo on the field, on the ticket stub, I mean, just freaking everywhere. Where else other than like, the only way to have that much exposure to that broad of an audience would to be like, you'd have to be like the only person that was allowed to advertise on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. And even then, I think the audience is much smaller than professional sports. And it's certainly less dedicated because there are lots of people that just, you know, don't watch as much television or they only watch it every once in a while. But like, the you're only right. thing. Sports fans, I mean, you, you, I think you said this on the an earlier episode or a bit more about Bitmar Bites episode, there is an analogy between sports and religion. Yeah. Sports fans have a religious element to them, and that is marketers take advantage of that. So <laughs> it's just unique in that way. And you and I was about to say the only audience that is more captivated are are people who watch cable news and people who go to church. Any religious, any religious, you know, any religious house of worship. Because <sighs> You have to be dedicated to that thing because you are already you are dedicating your time, your effort, and your energy to going to that location, being at that location, and be and and supporting that location. So within that, you have a lot of similar constructs, and you have that 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 idea of belief. And I think that that's a huge part of why NFT sports and religion all have these different coalescing factors is that you're buying into something, whether physically, tangibly, or metaphorically, you are buying into this idea that this is, you're identifying with it, you are supporting it, it has become a part of your cultural DNA. And sure. And, I, and not to cut you off here, Matt, but the... This makes me think specifically of Bitcoin because one of people's main criticisms of Bitcoin is that it only has value because people believe it have believe it has value. Well, that's everything. But if that's that's <laughs> it sound that sounds common sense to say, but you have to realize most people don't actually think of things like that. But yes, you're completely correct. And so it's interesting that Bitcoin can have perfect mathematics and the protocol is essentially flawless and I could go on and on for hours. We're not going to get into that, but it has value and the value rises and falls, whether based on people's belief in it, the trend over time is that people continue to believe in it more and it adopts, but that may not be so five years from now, 10 years from now, things like that. What little sports I do know is that I know teams, particular teams go through seasons similar to economics 
And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this here, Matt, that sometimes actually the most rabid fans come from teams that always lose. And I'm particularly thinking of the Cleveland Browns, which <laughs> I don't know anything about them other than I'm from Cleveland and I know that their fans are rabid. They have lots of season ticket holders, but the little that I know is they haven't won since like the, the 60s. 1964. The 1964 was the last time the Cleveland Browns won the championship, the N- the NFL championship, back when Jimmy Brown played. Um, Cle- diehard fan bases. Chicago yeah. Cubs, the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Guardians, uh, the Boston Red Sox, the New York Mets, the New York Jets. It's the idea that they're going to do that one day. They're going to win one day, and all this is going to pay off. That all of the, the it's the HODL movement. It, it's the to the moon movement, but for sports. Because you it, it are. It really is. You are. It is HODLing. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's Keep HODLing. It, it's the, huh? the concept of I'm going to hold on to this thing. I am going to support this thing. I am going to let this be the biggest or the most obvious part of my cultural identity. Because when this happens, when it pays off, when my ship comes in, I am going to point, I am going to laugh, I am going to drink, I am going to celebrate, I am going to dance, because that paid off. Because everybody was wrong, I was right, I am smart. S-M-R-T, I mean (laughs) S-M-A-R-T. And as a New York Met fan, I can talk about my story a little bit. I... I grew up Giants fan, Ranger fan, Knicks fan, Mets fan. First sporting event I ever went to was a, well, non-pro wrestling related was a Met game. Ever since then, I've been a New York Mets fan. And I grew up in New York in the 90s and 2000s when the Yankees were winning championships. One, like they won four championships while I was in elementary school. 1996, wow. 98. 99, 2000. I was in sixth grade in 2000. They beat the Mets in 2000. We don't talk about that. Um, (laughs) I have seen the New York Giants win three world championships in my lifetime. I've seen the New York Rangers win one Stanley Cup in my lifetime. I was five. It didn't count, but still. Uh, To me, the value of the New York Mets winning a World Series almost beats all of that. The Rangers winning another cup in my lifetime matters a little bit, almost on par. Because I have had to grow up around obnoxious Yankee fans, grow up listening to WFAN, which is a sports talk radio station here in New York, to those disappointing Met teams. Um, Commiserating with my Met friends about how their their best times were before we were even ideas. And this year, the Mets don't suck. The Mets are in first place in the National League East. Looks like they might make the playoffs. They have two of the best pitchers in baseball. They have the best closer in baseball. They have weapons on offense. Like, it's, it's the best team I have seen in... Almost 15 years, and that's talking about the time. And the Mets went to the World Series in 2015. Dang. I bought a ticket pack to go to six games this year. Going to the next one on Wednesday, it's the Mets and the Dodgers. I'm having a panic attack thinking about it now because the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. 
But huh. I invested hundreds of dollars into good sure. seats for multiple games because I have belief in this team again. I have faith in a ball club that has hurt me an innumerable amount of times. I am holding with my ballpark app five more games to go to and maybe the playoffs, maybe the NLCS, maybe the World Series. And I care more about baseball now than I have cared about baseball since high school, college, since I worked in baseball, since I worked for the Brooklyn Cyclones. And I can only imagine the true believers of Bitcoin, the true believers of BAYC, the true believers of these meme coins or these different tokens because there are people out there who don't look at this as an investment that is a part of a portfolio. They look at this as the most defining investment they will make in their lives because this is going to define who they are as a person. This is their character trait. This is who they are. This is what they demand the world recognize as what they will represent. What is their epitaph? The first line on their obituary when they pass away when they are put in the ground or in my case, shot out of a cannon and buried where I land. I'm not joking about that, by the way. Um, nice Hunter S. Thompson reference. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm that's, that's how I'm going. Um, that level of passion and of evangelism is so important and so dangerous and so precious. That's why it's dangerous. It's precious. Because it's a double-edged sword. Because it can either make you or it can break you. And as someone who has been broken an inordinate amount of times <laughs> this year uh, by the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, by the New York Giants' very existence, and the Mets just like just falling apart sometimes, like. If I had to do that every day looking at bitmart.com and looking at the price or going to my wallet and checking the value, I would be sick every day. I would be a, it would be I would be a gigantic ulcer. I would be a bearded ulcer just walking this earth. Like Jules Winfield at the end of Pulp Fiction, just wandering the earth. And I I the respect I have for the true believers of crypto, the true believers of NFT is, is remarkable because I, if you are truly rooted in the human experience, those are the lowest lows and the highest highs because of the actual cult the relative importance to your life. Yeah, I mean, you make so many good points, Matt. It's really a shame that we're going to have to wrap up here in a little bit. But we're, we're going to continue, this as always. I just wanted to have some comments. One, I didn't realize that hodlers and sports fanatics are essentially, they're, they're practicing the same religion. It's just one's in the physical world and one is in the, the digital world. But <laughs> you made me think of, 
Like there are fundamentalists in the crypto world. They're called maximalists. They, they exist for every single project from Bitcoin to Ethereum to, to Dogecoin, believe it or not. No slight on Dogecoin. It has its uses. But you, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've bought Bitcoin consistently and you've held in November of 2021, you saw your portfolio bigger than ever before. I mean, it just swelled and you thought I could sell it. I could have all this fiat. I could do this with that after taxes, blah, blah, blah. And now you are down 70%. That, and that's on a good day. <laughs> so that is comparable to when you're like, oh yeah, my favorite team, they won the championship last year and I was celebrating out in the streets. And this makes me think of, you know, I went to Auburn University. I was there when they won the national championship in, I think it was 2012 or 2013. Don't quote me on that. It was one time in the teens. And then the next year, they just flopped on their face. And I'm kind of lucky in that respect that I have never had an emotional attachment to a sports team. But hearing you talk about the synonyms between crypto and sports, I have had to realize that, I mean, yeah, I am on team Bitcoin. That <laughs> is, that is indisputable. I'd like to think that I'm level-headed enough about it that when people bring up legitimate criticisms, I say, yeah, that's a legitimate criticism. You're not wrong to think that way, but here's how I look at it. I, you know, I do still defend it. I do still have answers to the criticisms. Um, and if somebody, you know, there are lots of people like you've explained to, they look at crypt prominent people. I mean, Warren Buffett is a good example, like really, really rich people, people that you would think of as good investors that have a solid head on their shoulders that are old and seasoned. They look at crypto and you may as well be playing with pepper jack cheese on the street and talking about how you're the king of England. They just think that it's nonsense. What so, goes on in Denver? <laughs> had some pepper jack cheese earlier today, so I was just thinking about it. That's the other thing is, you know, if you're not a sports fan, I don't know what... Um, I don't like. I don't think about what the Denver Stadium is branded. I know it used to be Sports Authority yeah, Stadium it, or something like that. I think it's in Vesco Field at Mile High. Uh, See, I always just think of it as Mile High Stadium. Yeah, because that's like the informal name. But I, it's obviously branded with something else. I drive past it, you know, at least once or twice a week. So, this is just so interesting, Matt. I'm, I'm really, it, I really don't like that we have to cut it short right now. But. Um, it, we definitely need to know that we need to allocate more time for other episodes. I want to end on this note. Um, you talked about advertising in crypto and advertising in different types of sports, like F1 and things like that. But there's lots of restrictions on advertising. Do you think it's almost like tobacco advertising where it's it's – or maybe alcohol advertising is a better example. It's where it, it used to be a little bit taboo, but now it's just kind of accepted and it's like, do it at your own risk. And it's not like tobacco advertising where it once used to be like, hey, do whatever you want. And now they're like, ah, eh, you're just, you're not really allowed to do it because it's like considered unsavory. Where's crypto in this advertising in the sports world sort of, sort of era? And we'll end on that. It's the thing now. Uh, it, it is one of the most prevalent advertising, you know, models in the business right now. Uh, you see it everywhere. Every level of professional sports has some crypto or NFT aspect of it, whether it's a straight-on brand deal or an advertisement or different, 
you know, coins or tokens, it's becoming more and more prevalent. And there was initial backlash to it, Crypto.com Arena being a big one. But we can dive deeper next week on the show about these advertisements and these partnerships because I think that there's a lot of value here in exploring what what is a light, a stadium rights deal, what entails what entails it, what do different advertisements mean for different brands and different leagues. There's a lot of stuff that we can dive into here regarding the business of sports and the, and the comps in crypto and NFTs. But that will be for next week's show. Uh, we've got to run, but that doesn't mean you have to run. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you are watching or listening to this. If you're listening to us, drop a review. Let us know that what you like about the show, what you don't like about a show. Drop down in the comments. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, follow us on Twitter at BitMart Exchange. Until next time, we're going to take another hack at this. This has been the Minor Leagues. See y'all.